Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Listen to me. This is deeper. And God curated meetings like this to strengthen our conviction so that our testimony can last. We are not just a bunch of young, excited people. We believe this message. We have hope as an anchor for our souls. Hallelujah. I said we are anchored. I said we are anchored. Meaning what we have will last. Listen, and that's why God curated this particular meeting. He called it the oil of gladness. God wants to help us last. And so he told me a special impartation that will keep your spirit galvanized together no matter the trial. That listen, there is nothing in your future strong enough to unsettle your conviction. That's what this meeting is for. This particular meeting. Nothing. Listen. I know you are used to meetings where you are told prophetically there will not be trials, there will not be challenges. This particular one is different. I am here to tell you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God sent me tonight to give you an assurance that there will be trials but you will never see a mountain bigger than your spirits. Did you hear what I said? You will never see it. Let me tell you something. There is no devil in existence bigger than what you carry. No such devil. No such trial. No such. No such. Someone, you've been going through such a time, such a hard time. The Lord has brought you to this meeting to hear this prophetic word. Uh-uh. Do you know the grace on your life? It will take more than one devil to end you. Did you, did you, you know, to come to a point where you begin to wonder, Lord, did I waste my time all these years praying, fasting, trusting in you? You will never come to a point where you will lose your wonder, where you will be defeated and discouraged. I'm telling you. For this is the victory that overcomes the world. I'm telling you. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. The Lord brought you here. To strengthen you. The Lord brought you here. This is, this is, this is what really makes us who we are. Let me tell you something. You know, when Jesus is teaching on love, he said, even unbelievers love the people that love them. So that's, that's not divine. When you can love someone that hates you, now, that's a miracle. Even unbelievers are joyful when there are things to be joyful about. That's not a miracle. But when you look around you and there are trials, and there, there isn't 
much intellectually to be happy about and your spirit is still intact, then we know that joy is a fruit of the spirit. Not a fruit of an overflowing wallet. There is a different type of oil of gladness that the Lord wants to put on us today. And mark my words, what is going to come on us today will stand the test of time. You will still have joy. <laughs> Your joy will be like a rock. It cannot be moved. It cannot be observed by the weather changes, by circumstances changes. Listen, your joy will become constant because your, the source of your joy is constant anyway. And that's why we're here. Hallelujah. And I want you to be ready to receive this. This is a prophetic meeting. This is one of those meetings, you know, when I preach sermons like this, some people don't understand why. When in December 2019, when I taught the new normal, everybody didn't understand why. Until the new normal at the advent of COVID became the most popular phrase by the next month, January. By first week of January, there were 14 million hits. People wanted to know what is this new normal. It was a new nomenclature. The Lord prepared us. He gave us a different definition of new normal. Tell that to anybody who said, why didn't the church know about COVID? We knew. <laughs> we knew. Hallelujah. And now, the Lord wants to make us strong. You know, a man of God said, what God wants to give you is not a healing, it's not a job. It's the word of God in your spirits. And he called it deeper so that we can get stronger. Because in buildings, the deeper the foundation, usually the stronger the building. Just speak in tongues for a few more seconds. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence He's leading you to a place where your trust are without borders. He wants to take the borders off. Where you can say, I know whom I've believed. I know he's able to keep what I have committed to his hands. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Hallelujah. Tell just one or two people, say, get ready for an encounter of your life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You may please be seated. Tonight, we're going to talk about something very important. I want you to be ready. You see, sometimes we are so stereotypical in the way we want God to move. And so we miss the move of God. And like I said, when I started preaching in the morning, it takes a true man of God to stand before an audience and obey God. Not to strike the rock when you are meant to speak to the rock. And even though there will be results, 
If every meeting, I just come together, you know, and we just come together and I stretch my hand, things will happen. The direction is slightly different tonight. And I pray you will descend this. You see, this is a prophetic meeting and a warning. Because something is coming that you need to be prepared for. I'm saying that prophetically to us as individuals and co- collectively. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 14. One of the most emotional statements that Paul ever made was a prayer. Paul made several prayers in the Bible, but he never really talked about a prayer posture. But this one was so important, so pertinent, he said, I'm going to have to bow and kneel for this one. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Oh God. He's talking to people who are already saved, sanctified, blood washed. But you see, strength is a different thing. And he's passionately praying. He says, I'm I'm kneeling on your behalf. To pray for you on this one, I'm kneeling. To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, grant you strength in the inner man. There is strength in the inner man. Some of us are used to strength in the outward man. We can go to the gym and train for it. Well, there is a different type of strength that is inward and spiritual. And I dare say, that's the real strength. That's the real strength. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded. Can you all say rooted and grounded? Greek words, resort, kai, telemio. Rooted and grounded. Listen, he's, this is why we have deeper. Let your roots be stronger. I know you are here. But listen, it is very possible for you to just be excited. And not really have a strong foundation. God will have you have a strong foundation. That's the only way what you have will last. When older people look at your devotion and smile and say things like, I used to be like you. Have you heard something like that before? Don't assume that they're stupid. Don't assume. Anytime you hear or see something like that, it's a warning to you. When someone tells you, I've been where you are, I prayed as much as you prayed even more. 
I went to mountains. You have never been to mountains before. It's just camp meeting. Now, there are some people who were meant to be here, just mainland to island. They are not here now. Your fa- some of your fathers climbed physical mountains and they don't pray anymore now. That's a warning to you. Don't take it lightly. Don't listen to them, but at the same time, learn from their errors. And the reason I'm saying it is because the same mistakes they made in that generation, many of us are making now. They look at you and they say, ah, don't worry, you will calm down. Don't just say, God forbid. Learn from their mistakes. And what the mistake they made is very simple. It's right there in the parable of the sower. You know the parable of the sower in Matthew 13? How that a sower went out and sowed and just scattered seed. And the Bible says some fell in different places. And he talked about a very interesting category of seed. The ones that fell on stony places. Verse 5. It says, they didn't have much earth. Listen, this is what Paul was praying, that you'll be rooted. Are you getting it now? So, he's saying that because some people are not rooted. And so the investments, the spiritual investments are on stony places. And he says, because they had not much earth, forthwith they sprung up. And they did not have deepness of earth. He says, but when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no roots, they withered away. This is why some people just rise with a lot of excitement. They're all over the places, you know, putting up captions of, of Bible text, littering it over social media, and suddenly... I'm not even talking about your parents. Some of the people you know who were very vibrant in school, they're quiet now. What happened to their voice? No earth. No depth. And so Paul says, I bow my knees. I'm praying for you that you'll be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. I don't care how many programs you attend and how powerful the programs are. If you are a student of church history, you know that there have been powerful programs. <laughs> powerful programs. Depth is a different thing entirely. Stamina is a different thing entirely. The Lord told me, He said, this church is one of the churches I will come for on the last day. He told me that before, before the church started. In fact, that's how I knew I was called to have a church. I knew it accidentally. Because I always thought it was just a fellowship, you know, and all of that. So when I was telling a friend of mine who's a reverend, Reverend Shea Jacobs, I said, the Lord said, um, this ministry is one of the local churches who will come for on the last day. He said, say again. I said, one of the local churches. He said, did you say church? Then it dawned on me. That's how I knew it was going to be a church for the first time, by accident. 
You know what that means? This bunch of mostly young people, after 20 years, not one ounce of energy will be lost. Why die the mystified? We will be staring at the beauty of 20 years after, he will still be beautiful. Say, wide eyes, mystified. We will. May we never lose. Pray for yourself. May we never lose our wonder. May we never lose. Yeah, why died? Why died? Mystified. May we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our king. No matter where you travel to, why died? Hey, staring at the beauty of. We will have it and pass it to our children. Wide-eyed. May we be just like children. May we never lose, say. May we never lose. Hallelujah. May we never lose. Listen to me. Even statistically, demographically, you are entering into an age of reality. You have to understand when young people, fresh graduates, are enthusiastic about the things of God, there is very little to life they've seen. It's a fact. I can't remember where I said this, but it's true. And I will say it again. When I went to Dubai, I, went, I entered this roller coaster ride. And when I came down, I vowed never to enter such a ride again. I'm very brave, but I was scared. It got to a point, you know, I didn't know how I would survive. I just closed my eyes and was saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know? And then the few times I opened my eyes, I saw children laughing. That's when I knew that some people are not brave, they are just stupid. There's a difference between bravery and stupidity. Are the children brave? They don't just know what's at stake. They don't know what's at stake. They don't know what is at stake. So that's not bravery, that's stupidity. So listen, when a lot of people are jumping, you, you have to understand, yes, they mean what they are saying. But, but let me tell you something. Not everybody who betrays you meant to betray you. For instance, when, so, when someone tells you, oh, those are your exes. When they say, I love you, I will, I will catch a grenade for you. They wanted to. <laughs> they wanted to. They just had never been tested. 
You hear what I'm saying? The training is different. Training is a different ball game mentally. It's not just, don't just sing nice songs. Train for it. Any elderly person you see who has kept the faith, respect. Because it's a different perspective. So when you reach a certain age, you know, someone made a statement. She said, I began to know that we are growing when my friends' parents began to go. When you reach 45, I'm not there yet. You know, even at this age, I want to say 45 just to give a safer. And then parents begin to go. There's a type of reality, quote and unquote, that begins to dawn on you. That, okay, finally, we're getting older. We're getting older. And your stamina will be tested. When people who went to the same school with you, maybe once in a while, you just see it on your school WhatsApp group. This one too is gone. It's a totally different reality. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, you can sing sweet songs. But it's in tough times like that that your conviction will really truly be tested. You can be saying it theologically. To depart is far better. You know, and all of that. When it hits home, <laughs> it's a totally different ball game. That's when you will really know if you truly believe the gospel. If you truly believe eternal life. The problem is, many people have not heard a proper teaching on this before. Many people. And so many people don't recover. The message tonight is simple. Simon, Simon, (laughs) son of Bajona, the devil seeks to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But we are here to pray. We are here to train so that faith will not fail. And so that when we are strengthened, we will strengthen others. Say loud amen if you believe. So since we're talking about that, let's talk about faith. Let's let's look at the Bible. Open it, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everybody read Hebrews 11, 1 together, 1, 2, go. Let me tell you, listen, faith is about evidence. Faith is about, listen, all kinds of faith, both charismatic and salvific, is about evidence. And that's why if you are truly born again, people can bear witness to it. Because even if you are not saved by works, 
The Bible says you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it can be seen. Faith can be seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Listen, the Bible is telling you that anything you believe in will reflect in your actions. And those actions are statements of faith. Do you understand what I just said? I just tried to simplify it. Your conviction will be reflected in your actions. Your actions are statements of faith, consciously or unconsciously. So any action that substantiates your faith or substantiates your hope is faith. That's very simple. And faith can be seen because faith is evidential. Did you hear what I just said? So now, these guys, they wanted Jesus to pray for their friend. And there was no more room in the house. They climbed the roof, tore their bestos, and began to hoist down their friend. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. You don't have to explain it. They will see it. They will see it. So when we observe your life, we can tell a tale of your faith. It's not just by your confession. We can talk about it. And so the writer of Hebrew was talking about Abel, talking about Abraham. He was not alive in those days. But in retrospect, there are evidences in their actions to tell of their faith. By their actions, you can tell that they believed. Because that's what faith is. Faith is evidence. Substance of things hoped for. If you have hope of eternal life, it will show. It will show. It will reflect in your actions. You don't have to tell anybody. If you believe there is a God, you can be saying it. But if you truly believe, we will see it. Because it's the evidence of things not seen. Listen, and oh my God, some of you never really understood why he said what he said in verse 2 and verse 3. What does he say in verse 2? One, two, go. Hallelujah. Listen, that's why he could talk about the elders. Elders who have gone. Because even if he was not there, their testimony remained. Testimonies are evidence of faith. The testimony of your life, your behavior, your actions. And then verse 3. Some of you thought that verse 3 was a deviation. No. Verse 3 explains faith. Verse 3 explains charismatic faith, for instance. Everybody read verse 3 together, one to go. Listen. He's saying the worlds were framed by the word of God, right? Things which are seen were made by things which do not appear. Meaning the physical realm is the evidence of the unseen realm. He's explaining faith to you. That even if you have not seen that invisible realm, you have seen its impact. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the same thing with a born again spirit. When you get born again, even if we were friends, and God forbid we were sinning together, if you got saved and I didn't know, but it, the next time we see, if we stay together, I should be able to see 
Even if your regenerated spirit is invisible, I should be able to see by your actions, inactions, modus operandi, that something has changed. Because faith is evidential. And so, this is what James was trying to explain. When he says, I will show you my faith. How? By my works. So, even if works are not a prerequisite for faith, it is an irresistible evidence of faith. And so, he begins to talk about the faith stories of people who have gone ahead. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than King. That's a faith story. That's a faith story. By faith, Abraham sojourned. He sojourned. It is one thing to say you hear God. If God says go and you actually go, now that's faith. Now that's evidence. You have been talking before. Now we have seen evidence. You went. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Whatever it is Noah was doing before, he left it and started building an ark. That ark took 60 years to build. You will only build an ark with so much time and energy and resources if you believe that the world is ending. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be preaching it evangelically. The world is ending, no. But by the time people see you knocking, putting nail to wood every day with diligence for years. Ah, ah. Now that's faith. But herein lies the problem. We've told the story of faith by what people conquered and not by what people suffered. The church has a stereotypical description of faith and it has affected us. Oh my God. It's a great disservice to the church. Now, when Christians go through trials, they are surprised. They are surprised. Because they were not taught. And it is right there in the word of God. So, listen. You probably have heard teachings on Hebrews 11, maybe a thousand times in your life. But I want to bet nine out of ten of the teachings were from the earlier verses. What does the Bible say in verse 32? Are you in Hebrews 11? It says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is the type of faith we know. Subdued kingdoms, walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Yeah, by faith we can do, we can undo, we can go, we can take. We can move. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weaknesses were made strong. Became valiant in battle. 
done to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were what? Come on, say it loud. Others were what? Come on, say it loud. Others were what? I want to ask you honestly, in today's language, if you heard a story that some Christian somewhere was killed, is that a faith story to you? Listen, it can be encouraging. You can pity the person or you can even go a step further and be encouraged by it. But for it to be a faith story is a totally different understanding. And in the Bible, not only is it a faith story, it is not put in a, is a separate category. It is put in the same category with people who held lions and ripped them apart. It's the same story. Anything that substantiates your hope, I make an argument that it is almost arguably a greater substantiation of hope to suffer than to conquer. Any unbeliever will gladly, you know, you see, if you tell me that if I follow any deity, no matter, I don't care his name, I will have a lot of money. The average person will do that. But when people had the money that they had taken from them because of their faith, and they kept the faith, now that's a substantiation. There must be a hope he has. Maybe he had been preaching it since, and I didn't believe that he had hope in another realm. Oh my God, let me tell you this. I call it the charismatic dilemma. Never forget this. So in the Bible, it is a statement of faith that someone laid hands on the sick and they recovered. It is also a statement of faith that someone who was not sick at all willingly took torture and had his health that some people are eager to receive by miracle, had his health taken from him willfully because he will not take back his conviction. And so it becomes dangerous if you stick to one narrative. Do you understand? The definition of faith is, is destroyed. When we stick to this narrative, what we are doing is we are receiving the word of God on stony places. Because as soon as the sun comes up, <laughs> small trial, small challenges. I've seen people just, you know, like, like a domino, like a, like, like a pack of cards just fall apart. Someone said on Twitter, said what the church needs to understand is that some people have not remained the same since 2020. I said those are the people who never really heard the word of God. Because if you are surprised at what happened in 2020, what Bible were you reading? Let me tell you something. In the days of Moses, because of some stupid pagan king, he rose up and killed every child two years and under. You think COVID is a problem? At least we're even fortunate that COVID did not really have effect on children. Do you know the narrative would have been different? 
Answer me now. Do you know what it means, God forbid, to wake up one morning and every child two years and under is killed? You, you, the agony is, is unlike anything you have ever read about or heard about. And then it happened again in the time of Jesus. Again. And the Bible did not hide that story. He put it there. And even if people were crying, angels were singing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill on It still happened to be the greatest time in the history of mankind. When you see this and you put all this paripasu, you are beginning to understand spiritual things. Any faith that makes no sense in spite of trials is no faith at all. And let me tell you something. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? This is controversial but true. Because someone needs to tell you the truth. I don't care the grace on any man of God you've ever encountered. They've all had stories that reveal the reality of the fickleness of this world. And it's part of the things I want to talk about. For some reason, we have a culture in the church where we don't talk about our trials. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. It's an abomination. And so whether consciously or unconsciously, you know, and some of it is our fault. We are not used to open men of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And our views are so lopsided. Let me look for your trouble. If a man of God is replying tweets, <laughs> wait now, wait, John. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask a question. Put on your thinking caps. Are you ready? If a man of God is replying tweets, is he proud or humble? You, you, because you are used to a man of God that mud does not touch his clothes. And so many people, the bigger they, they become, the less evangelical they become. <laughs> you know, how can a man of God like me, be found on the streets. You, you see the problem? And, and, and more and more, they're pushed into the private life. You, you don't want to hear about their trials. You don't want to hear about, you know, and all those things. And so when Christians face it, they feel, this is wrong. This is an anomaly. Where is God? And their faith begins to shake. What? What Bible have you been reading? Come on, are you listening to me? Oh my God. So let's read on. It says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better what? It says, Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes. And of chains and imprisonments, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted and slain with the sword, 
They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Just in case you don't understand, some were poor. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. And look at verse 39. And all these, having obtained what? <laughs> all these having obtained what? Oh my God. It's not a pitiful testimony. It's a good testimony. So I call it the charismatic dilemma. Any charismatic view that does not embrace this dilemma where someone says, I'm in a fix betwixt two. To depart. Depart is just minimizing. It means to die. He says it's far better. But to stay here is fruitful ministry. I'm in a fix betwixt two. Our emphasis on the miraculous must never cover up the fact that our ultimate hope is eternal life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we, we, we will not heal the sick until nobody dies. And so, eternal life is not necessary. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the message. The message is ultimately eternal life. The message. That's the message. The plan is not to avoid death as much as possible. The plan is that death is conquered by the resurrection of Jesus. Understand the message. And then, if the example of Abel and Abraham and all these people was not enough, in the next chapter, he says, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Now, this is, this is the substantiation of hope. Oh. Joy set before you, that's hope, right? Who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross and despised the shame. So let me tell you something that you very scarcely hear. One proof that you believe eternal life is that you can endure hardship on the earth. That's when we know that you have a better resurrection. Ah, oh my God. When you're playing video games, there are some things you want to try out. Some gamers know what I'm saying. There's some things you wonder, if I jump instead of going straight, what will happen? You only try those things when you have enough lives. Is that true? So by how radical you live your life, then people will know for sure you can only pay this price if you have another resurrection. He endured the cross, despised the shame. You know, so other people, they don't have hope in the resurrection. So they must preserve this body as much as possible. But if this one spoil, another one day. <laughs> if this one was boy, what did I say? Hey, listen, it's easier preached than done. No? As you're saying, hey, hey, now, if, 
if they put sword on your neck, <laughs> it's, it's different. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Young people, I'm beginning to sound old. I know some of you even senior me. So, but but as you grow older, and maybe there are a few complications, and God forbid, childbearing is delayed. Don't begin to say who sinned, who sinned. When you're of marriageable age, all the people that are coming to you, you know, you know, there's a meme. Oh, Lord, help me! I don't want to be a mechanic. You know, <laughs> yeah, no. I don't even know where that came from. So. And you're just, you're just wondering, Lord, is there a problem? Why is it this type of people that are coming to me? Let me tell you something. In this ministry, this is, and this is another problem in the body of Christ. The people who preach these things, usually, they don't have signs and wonders. <laughs> so it looks like an excuse. Humbly, I get small. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> but I want to tell you anybody who only emphasizes the miraculous will unintentionally be setting you up for, for trouble. Because the servant is not greater than the master. They came for Jesus. They come. Do you understand what I'm saying? In this world, you will have tribulations. So unintentionally, some people are not, are not prepared for trials. I'm saying this because I talk to people and I just expect some Christians to have, uh, forgive me, you know, you know, there is another extreme. It's easy to preach strength to people when it's not you. Church people like that thing. They like that thing. Before you go through, before you even explain what you are going through, they will just quote 10 scriptures, and which is good, you know, but sometimes it's just like, how convenient. Somebody t- told the story of, you know, losing his dad, and someone just came to his house and said, I know how you feel. He said, with due respect, sir, you don't. You don't. What do you mean you know how I feel? So there is that too. And we need to be more empathetic in the church. Come on, are you listening to me? But then, there is something the Bible calls the oil of gladness. Please open your Bibles. Habakkuk. Do you know where that is? Habakkuk chapter 3. 
Let me tell you something. This is a hard teaching. But if you embrace it, you will stand the test of time. You need this. We don't always know what we need. You don't always know what we need. Habakkuk chapter 3 from verse 17. Oh, Jesus. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet, Yet! Yet! Oh my God. Do you understand what you just read? In the midst of all these contradictions and all these negative situations, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. Meaning, this joy has a different source. It's not from the results. It's not from the events around me. It is in salvation in and of itself. There is something called joy of salvation. The God of my salvation, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Not what he gives, but who he is first and foremost. Now this is faith. The evidence of the unseen. For someone else, if he loses his business, that's all. His life is finished. But you have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away. So, so, so when you lose all these things, people can't understand why you're so happy. They can't understand. You know, something happened. You know, one night, we faced a very heavy trial. And I was meant to be walking out, you know. So my gym instructor called me. I said, oh, we'll not be able to walk out today. So tomorrow. So the next morning we were jogging. And he said, sir, by the way, what happened yesterday? When I told him, he stopped. He said, that time you called me casually and said, oh, tomorrow. You mean this is what you were facing? <laughs> he said he became scared of me. You, can, you, you went through that. Then the next morning you are jogging with me. our life. Listen, that's real strength. Come on, are you with me? It's something inside. God wants to inject us with something that makes us strong. Strength in the inner man. In such a way, listen, I don't really care what you think about Job, but if everything around you falls apart and your spirit remains intact, that's strength. Jesus, are you with me? That strength, everything falls apart and your spirit is still hoisted, still standing erect. They could break your bones, but they couldn't break your spirit. That strength. Listen, 
Many of God's people, and, and let me tell you something. If you don't learn what I'm saying, there is a limit to how God can use you. Because some people are so easily discouraged. It's so easy to break their spirits. It takes a different type of training when they seize your well to dig another one. Some people are, are just crying. I don't know. This business, this is not what God promised me. It has ended. They sacked me. Get up. Go again. Let me tell you something. If God gives us this tenacity that the Bible talks about, the devil will run. When he looks at us and he knows we cannot be stopped, they, they seize your well, you dig another one. They seize the second one, you dig another one. They seize it again, you dug. Come on! Come on! Meaning you have a tenacity that outweighs the commitment of the opposition. And even when they stopped fighting, he kept digging until he got to like seven. And he said, Rehoboth, the Lord has made room for me. That's tenacity of faith. A kind that cannot be stopped. In season and out of season. Come on. When the ovations are high and low. Do you understand what I'm saying? In season and out of season. God wants to give you a strong spirit. That will be your greatest asset. You know, there's a woman who was like a mom to me. And I was also praying for her. So she asked me to follow her to the hospital. And then she, she had been showing signs, symptoms, symptoms of sickness. The doctor checked her, checked her, checked her. He said, you are not physically sick. She said, you have, you, your mind, go and rest your mind. She said, it's true. This, that, this. Oh my God. Let me tell you something. If you don't learn this, there are some people, God forbid, just one bad news can end everything in their life. And for some people, silly reasons. Silly reasons. Someone asks a friend, why are you so downtrodden? She said, my friend said he doesn't want to be my friend again. Not, at least not romantic relationship. Listen, I'm not saying romantic relationship. The friend said, I don't want to be your friend again. Then her life almost crumbled. Ah! If the Lord can make you strong, what Paul prayed about, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, if he gives you strength, if he gives you strength, if he gives you strength in your inner man, some of you, that's what you need. That's the miracle you need. You need strength. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. You know, we're having ministers' conference soon. Do you know, you can't do ministry without bravery. You cannot. You can't obey God without bravery. Some of you, if you were Moses, when the, even when the Lord wants to prove that he's with you, he says, drop your rod. You drop the rod. He turns to serpents. He now says, pick it up. That's the end now. He says, finally, I know I'm not going. That's, that's <laughs> Pick it up. So meaning... Just at the beginning of his ministry training, he had to pick a serpent by the tail. <laughs> you know, that, that, like, that's the beginning. <laughs> that's the beginning. Go, so, so, that means bravery is part of the training. 
You like to cry. You know, you, you even say it. They shall trample on serpents and scorpions. <laughs> First pick one. <laughs> I dare say only people who are willing to pick up a rod that unto a serpent and follow God can trample on serpents. Ah, you practice the bravery. Do you understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, you will keep reading theory. It's, it takes a certain level of bravery in the world to point at someone who has a demon and say, come out. It, it doesn't matter how many nice sermons you hear. If you're not ready to be brave, it will limit your work with God. I don't care the outcome. If you are learning at the beginning stages, if they slap you, it's part of it. And that's the thing. They can't slap you. But the thing is, I know people that they slap. <laughs> Sorry now. <laughs> you know, do you understand? But there was one of them that really challenged me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some will just give up. We'll start running. The, the person still stood. I said, come out. You don't understand what I'm saying? Even, and, you know, I discovered it's a sign of defeat. I am so incapacitated, my only advantage is physical. You don't, anyway, that's for another, that's another trend. Hallelujah. I'll read two more texts, then we pray. One more time. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever want. And my faith will be what? Will be made stronger. In the presence Just sing it one more time. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Thank you, Lord. All right, we read. I said two texts, but we'll make it four short texts, then we'll pray. Proverbs 17 and Proverbs 18. So Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bone. Everybody read Proverbs 17, 22 together. One, two, go. Hallelujah. Listen, your spirit is your real assurance, your real 
defense. That's why the devil will, will, will try to destroy all the temporary things just to try and get that spirit. And so you must guard your heart with all diligence. Guard that hidden man of the heart. That's where your real strength is. That's where your real strength is. Choose to be merry. It's a decision. It's a miracle, but you can choose it. And the only way your joy will be permanent is if you stop it from being circumstantial. That, oh, this is happening, so I'm happy. That's for babes. That's for babes. A merry heart. A merry heart. A merry heart. A merry heart. So you, you have to train yourself to be merry. Sometimes, some people always look at what is not working. You have to learn to begin to consider what is working. I'm sure you have some things going well for you. I'm sure. I'm sure. Learn to be thankful. Sometimes, just bring out a sheet of paper. Write what you're thankful for. Change your perspective. Change your perspective. Sometimes, in the name of prayer we introduce depression. Because we are determined for the situation to change, which is not wrong. But subconsciously, in the name of spiritual and religious exercise, we are only always dwelling on the negatives. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Only always dwelling on the negatives. What do you have going for you? I'm sure there are some things. Think about them now as I'm talking. Just think about them and be thankful for them. Be thankful for them. You had enough energy to come in here and sit down and listen to me. You are not doing as bad as you think. Ah! Many people will give anything to be in your shoes. A merry heart. And the biggest assurance you can have is the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life. Do you realize the moment you see Jesus, oh my God, it's not a consolation, it's a reward. Do do, do you get what I'm saying? This is not some motivational speech we throw around. I truly believe it. That Listen, this is the assurance. It says, we know that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, oh Jesus, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Meaning, there is no kind of suffering you will go through in this life for which the glory to be revealed will not be an overcompensation. Some people believe this and gladly embrace the cross. They gladly. They stop running away. I mean, look at the author and finisher of your faith. They, Peter wanted to defend him. Ah, don't worry. He went with them. Do you understand? That's Jesus. You feel free to run. <laughs> That's another teaching. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Some people feel that because of that, if you don't have the, if you have the chance to run, you shouldn't run. No, that's not what I'm saying. No. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Even the early apostles, when they were persecuted in one place, they, they left that place and went to preach elsewhere. Life is simple. <laughs> but the thing is, they always kept their conviction. Even when they had to face the sword. Come on. This is important. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, com- to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's a bonus one, Romans 8, 18. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. Are you ready for this one? It says, the spirit of a man will sustain him. That is even more bearable if your spirit is still intact. But if your spirit is broken, that's all. Because that's where the real strength is. Some people die because they gave up first internally. You know what I'm saying? When you keep your enthusiasm, when you keep your hope, when you keep your faith, ah, then you're going to last. And God brought us here to help us last. Say loud amen. amen. That by this spiritual, supernatural optimism, it changes your worldview. You always see the positives. Before, you always saw what went wrong. Now you see what more could have gone wrong. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Come on, are you with me? You're just learning to be thankful. I know your plan was that by 26, you'll be a billionaire. But now you are no more in your parents' house. You have a roof over your head. Isn't God wonderful? Aren't you glad and thankful? Hallelujah. One of the things we're going to do tonight is to thank God for small things. Small things. The things that you've been ignoring. You slept, you woke up. Nobody had to do anything. In fact, they didn't have to give you an injection to sleep. Ah, thank God for it. Thank God for it. You know, I used to have this nasty roommate. Who, <laughs> are you ready for this? Get ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Who would just stand at the center of the room like this and release gas? <laughs> you know? And we will like be like, what is wrong with you? What, what is and then you know what he will say? You say some people they they know feed do them, you know. <laughs> you know, and it annoyed me. I knew it was just a silly excuse, but truly, you know, at that time I never considered that there are some people who cannot mess. <laughs> Oh my God, this is not even a joke. It sounds funny, but it's not. Do you know, it was as if God ordained it. I don't know. Few days after, we were all in chapel together and someone came and shared testimony. I want to thank God. (laughs) I said, God, you will give this guy points now. From that day, we were in trouble. But, but I remember thinking to myself, so wait, this is a thing. Hallelujah. 
So from today, anytime you go, you say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because some have gas but cannot mess. <laughs> you have gas and you can. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shall do it outside, otherwise. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Dance to your God. listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.